y'all. It's your host, Avery Carl. Welcome to the short-term show special episode series on Scottsdale, Arizona. So in these 10 episodes, we are going to take a deep dive into the Scottsdale market, but I want to note a couple of things for you guys first. So if you are looking for current income numbers and current purchase prices, or you want to set up a search of Scottsdale properties, you can do that at our website, theshorttermshop.com. You can also connect with us there to get connected with our Scottsdale agents or any of our other markets, any agents in the other markets that we work in. So hope you guys enjoy our Scottsdale mini series and we'll catch you guys later. Be sure to join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same title as my book. And we'd love to connect with you there as well. Thanks guys, let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Show special episode series on the Scottsdale market. Today, we're going to talk about calendars and pricing. Luke, please stop doing stuff on the screen that's distracting me. <laughs> you did that on the last one too, the last market episode. I had During my intro, I had to stop because you are being disruptive to the class. My duty. So anyway, class clown over here. We're talking about calendars and pricing. And to do that, we have... A really cool panel. We've got Jessica and Leslie, who you know from the previous episodes, are our Scottsdale agent specialists. We also have Luke, the king of pricing and calendars, here to help us do that. Luke, do you want to introduce yourself really quick? Because they're familiar with the girls. They've been on every other episode, but you are new as of episode 12. Yeah, absolutely. I have a podcast called Short-Term Rental Management. I have uh, been in this business for quite a long time. I'm full-time real estate. I own uh, all sorts of different asset classes, apartments, uh, a lot of long-term rentals, and of course, the vacation homes. I've been uh, on Airbnb longer than anybody in the East Tennessee Smoky Mountains. I reside in Florida. I have uh, properties in six different markets, and I am very grateful to be here. I'm also Avery's uh, husband. So that's my real claim to fame. And uh, I'll stop there. <laughs> uh, Management Monday. Hold on. Management Monday. You want to <laughs> learn how, how I do things, uh, learn everything I know about how to be a better landlord. You come to Management Monday with me and that is free because I have the last same last name as the boss. So you work with the shop, you come party with me. It's a good time. All right. Thank you very much, Luke. So now let's get to calendars and pricing in the Scottsdale market. So first... Let's talk a little bit about the seasonality, when the high season is. Uh, when is the high season in Scottsdale? We've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes, but for the purpose of calendar and pricing, let's talk about it again. So our top peak season would be February 1st till about May 31st. Um, early peak would be anywhere between October and January 31st. So so say that again, low peak would be between when? October and January 31st. And then, you know, top peak season would be um, February 1st till about March 31st. Okay, cool. So not a lot of rentals in the summer because it gets really hot, right? Like right. super hot. Yeah, they, they definitely slow down. Um, probably July and August would be like the hottest months, I'd say. All right. So what is this more of like a weekend market or are people staying for three to five days? I mean, both. We definitely get week long, you know, two week long stays, but um, weekends are extremely popular. Okay, cool. Luke, what do you have to add so far? Yeah, no, she's exactly right. You know, and a lot of that, again, if you're not from the area, you do need to understand that the average, you know, mid-afternoon uh, temperature in July is like 106, right? And June is 103, August 104. 
it is extremely hot in the summer and that is kind of you know it's it's opposite of most vacation rental markets in america unless you're going to go to like way south florida that would be kind of similar down there as well where it's uh, really hot in the summertime and and they have they kind of peak in the winter as well also, you have to understand that this this general metro market is exactly that. It is a metro market. So that that's where pricing is going to be different. It's it's different in all aspects because it is an actual city. You know, you have a large population here um, between the two uh, med- major metropolitan areas. Uh, let me pull up a uh, population. I want to get an actual number on that. Uh, so you're looking at about a half a million in Scottsdale uh, metro. And then, of course, um, it's going to, if you get boogie on over to Phoenix, I mean, you're talking more like uh, 1.6, 1.8 in the metro market. So uh, really the entire area as a whole, you're looking at about, I don't know, 2 million people, give or take, depending on what sections you're looking at. And uh, that is not your typical vacation town. And really the reason that this town gets on the radar, which I'm sure you guys have already discussed this, is because Scottsdale is so short-term rental friendly. Their, their local, uh, you know, municipalities, they've gotten together and they said, hey, we want to do this here. We want to allow Airbnb, quote unquote. And that is, you know, much different than, quite frankly, almost every other major city in America. But they've decided, hey, we want to do this. We want to figure out how we can make money off of this. And we want it to be part of our, you know, kind of our culture. So keep that in mind. That is way different than an area where, and and again, most short-term shop markets, most vacation tourist Uh, vacation home markets where every single house in your neighborhood is on Verbo, is on Airbnb. That's what everybody's doing. Nobody lives there. The owners of the properties do not live there. That is different in this market where even a lot of these properties will be owned by somebody that lives in the town. And they just kind of go over there and, you know, spruce it up once a week and make sure that they get their granola bars on the countertops and and, uh, that there's not too much dust on the windowsills and things like that. So I think that's kind of your major differences uh, uh, between this and uh, kind of a traditional, you know, like, uh, you know, Destin, Florida, of course, that always comes up because we live there. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Pigeon Forge is the low hanging fruit there and Gatlinburg and, uh, but even Branson, Missouri, all these, these vacation tourism markets, major, major difference here where your neighbors might live there and they're cool with it. They really kind of have no choice. It's been kind of ingrained in the fibers of the, of the market, but it is again, back to the seasonality. It's extremely hot in the summertime. uh, And so you're probably going to see a little bit more traffic uh, in the, in the winter than the summer. And, uh, and like she said, the bulk of your action is going to be in that springtime sweet spot. And, uh, and also in in the fall, you're going to hit about 11 million people coming to, and that's just Scottsdale tourism numbers. That's not even Phoenix. Um, coming to the area in, uh, in, a, in a given year. Um, and uh, last year, I think it's 2022 20, numbers, we saw about $3.3 billion in tourism, uh, which is huge. And it's, 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 uh, it's a bit surprising to me that more markets have not kind of gotten hip to this whole thing where, you know, let's let people rent these houses overnight. Uh, we're talking three point three billion dollars on the line here, in in a in a you know a four to six hundred uh, thousand person metropolitan area, that's a lot of dough. It makes a huge impact. 
So um, it's it's kind of weird to me that more areas like, say, maybe a Nashville has not, uh, you know, would be a perfect example where there's a lot of tourism coming there. They could kind of come around to this Scottsdale way of doing things, but they have not. And I don't think they will. We lived in Nashville for a really long time, but it's just I don't know. It's a cool vibe that they've got going there. And uh, and there are people coming. They're coming. It is a little bit different than, say, a beach or mountain market where they're coming to go to the beach specifically. And so beach months are the priority, you know, in in Florida markets or even Texas beach markets or or even North Carolina, you are looking for the the, the weather. And when the kids are out of school, that's when you're going to make, you know, the big money and uh, the bulk of the uh, occupancy percentage is going to happen in those summertime months in the early spring months. And of course, spring break. Now that's not really the case here in Scottsdale where things are kind of driven more so by uh, events because there are endless amounts of events and uh conventions and major league baseball has a big uh, uh impact on the area etc so um this is a market where i think it's slightly more important i don't know that i would uh take it all the way to the bank but slightly more important to keep an eye on events you know if you're in a traditional market like branson um, i think it is okay to just go ahead and let your pricing software roll with it and do its thing uh, because it's gonna it's gonna be scraping all sorts of different uh areas of the internet to uh, find out exactly what's popular and what's not as far as price per night. In Scottsdale, it, it's probably, a you know, it's a little more likely to miss um, a, a random, like I, I just noticed there was a sweepstakes convention this year. Like who would even, you know, know that that is a thing? What? And, yeah, but it was a big deal. And I I, uh, I I noticed that all the hosts in the area were were paying attention to that and raising their rates a little bit because people want to stay in a house. You know, if they're bringing multiple people, maybe uh, bringing several folks from the same company, they can rent one house, put them all in there as opposed to renting multiple uh, hotel rooms, that kind of thing. So all sorts of conventions and, and sports events to keep an eye on. Um, again, I'm in um, many markets and in my markets, to be completely honest, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the stuff that's coming to town, you know, oh, Barnum and Bailey Circus is coming to town. Let's raise our rates. You know, in my markets, it's really more so driven by uh, beach and and national park. Uh, so the national park has events, etc. But for the most part, they are really just coming to go into that park and hike and see the sights and and take pictures and and all that you know the fun tourist stuff that's there on a regular basis, as long as the weather is good. So. Um, again, just to, to wrap up my speech there, I think it is pretty important in this market to kind of keep an eye on, uh, I mean, really more, more so than anything, make sure Price Labs is hitting those high notes with those events that are coming to town. And, and let's dive into that just briefly in, in case anybody is not familiar with the fact that there are softwares out there. There's a, a, There are a lot of different pricing softwares where you can just connect your um, you know, I mean, you could connect it directly to Airbnb and Verbo if you would like, or connect it to a third-party uh, property management software. And these these pricing softwares will do the the bulk of the heavy lifting as far as pricing your property. Because the, the big difference here in short-term rental is that you've got 365 nights to price your property, and that can really you know s stump people, especially if they're coming over from the long-term rental world where you just kind of 
put a price on it. And if you get it, then you priced it right. And if you don't get it, then you need to lower your price. But that, that number stays constant for an entire year, sometimes longer in long-term rental. And that is where short-term starts to be so confusing and quite frankly, overwhelming when you're sitting there like, man, I got to price 365 nights on this calendar. And then I got another calendar over here for Verbo and then another Verbo. Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, Hopper, whatever whatever websites you're using, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So there are softwares that have come out in, in uh, recent years that will help you do this. Uh, Price Labs is the most popular, but there are several others. There's Wheelhouse and Beyond Pricing, and um, and so we do have that luxury. And uh, you know, we're recording this early 24 here that uh, you could just you know theoretically connect your pricing software to your management software and let it do its job you obviously need to make sure that you're changing your prices around uh, a little bit there's three main prices on your pricing software dashboard that need to be changed often um, but uh, again if you're brand new to this uh, this business or this asset class uh, just you know rest assured that it's um, it's not as difficult as you think especially uh, with all the advancements of uh, technology that we're we're dealing with uh, today. And I'm happy to keep going on that and let feel unless you want to steer me in the right direction. No, I mean, keep going because I think that everything that you're saying has value to the listeners. So this is a market where there are a lot of events, like big ones, like the Super Bowl last year, I guess, or was that earlier this year? Whenever the, the most recent Super Bowl. That's well, uh, only once. <laughs> yeah. That, well, yeah, but they have it's it's a place that they have things like that often because it's a right. good place that people want to travel. Um, so you do have to be more cognizant of big events that are happening. Uh, lots of golf, right? So um, golf, there's not technically a golf season, but people don't want to be out there golfing in 120 degree heat. So again, back to the seasonality. Um, do you guys have anything else to add for or Luke? I mean, you are more than welcome to keep just let that train run. Just on the events, um, the three biggest events that we have in Scottsdale every year are the best attended in their category. So the Phoenix Waste Management Open is in Scottsdale. That's the the big golf competition. It's in Scottsdale, the TPC golf course. And I think it would be considered North Scottsdale. And it's just like a five-minute drive from the event center, which has the most events in Scottsdale every year. I think they have like 92 events, which is crazy. That's like two a week. Um, but they have... There they host the Barrett Jackson car show and auction and which is the best attended car show and auction in the world. And then the Raven horse show best attended equestrian event, I think with like over 3000 horses um, in competition. So oh, wow. those, those three events happen every year and they happen in January and February. I think it's the eight, five, two, five, seven zip code. Yeah. I'm a huge Barrett Jackson fan. I love watching those shows and dreaming, you know, yeah. uh, but yeah. Golf is huge here. Golf is major, major huge. So, you know, you might, I mean, you could even set up a, a property specifically for, to, to cater to golfers. Obviously, your location is going to be extremely important if you're going to do that. But you could have, you know, it's, it's really not uncommon at all to have a, a putting, uh, a, a, a hole or two in your backyard, a putting green. Um, we're seeing, we're starting to see that really kind of more common in, in a lot of different markets. I'm actually looking for somebody to do that. One of my properties in in Florida right now, but, um, you know, you could, if you're a golfer and you have a passion for that, there is a market for it. There's even a, there's even a, a, a booking, uh, website, a, a platform specifically for golfers, basically Airbnb for golfers. But, uh, so that, that's a, that's an excellent point. 
But, um, you know, so let me get back to the nuts and bolts. Really, the first thing you want to do is figure out what you think the property is going to make. And that is a very long conversation in itself. And there's many different ways to do that. <clears throat> and when you're when you're trying to figure that number, you're really looking for gross income, right? So that is, most people are going to agree that that includes cleaning fees and maybe even some taxes, right? Basically what that is, is anything that passes through your actual bank account, at least that's the way I do it. There's, it's kind of a, a bit of a gray area on gross income with vacation rental income. Uh, to me, the definition is, is, you know, all money's coming in, right? Like just a dictionary definition of the word gross. So if it hits my bank account, that's gross income. And that's the number I'm looking for. And then I subtract my expenses from that. So, you know, there's several different ways to do that. We, we here at the shop, um, Years ago, we came up with the enemy method. I don't know if we came up with it per se, but we were smart enough to name it. And that's there's a video on that you can find at enemymethod.com. And basically all that is, is just comparing yourself to your neighbors and similar properties in your area. Uh, maybe not even in your area and maybe not even similar properties, but just going on their calendars and getting an idea of kind of what they're getting per night or at least what they're asking per night. And that's kind of the old down and dirty way of, uh, of doing it. It, uh, it's going to be, it's not going to work for certain brains. Like if you're an engineer that needs a cold, hard fact of what it booked for, then you're probably going to go more towards the, the data scrapes, which is going to be your air, air DNAs and, um, uh, Rabu and Avery helped me with some of these names or so many of them. Now, uh, what are the more popular data scrapes? If you don't mind, uh, any, any number of them, there's, AirDNA, there's Rabu, there's STR Insights, there's BNB Calc, there's a thousand of them now. Yeah. So, uh, and I guess I need your help on that. Like, do I just kind of give all those a try with like a trial? I'm sure they have like a 30 day trial or something and decide which one I like the best. I, I'll be honest, I, I stick to the, the old school way of doing things with checking people's actual calendars. Um, do you have any recommendations to somebody who's new as to how to choose? which website uh, to to get to gather data? So Rabu is free. AirDNA is very cheap, like 25 bucks a month. So I would start with those two and just compare them because they're going to pull slightly different numbers. All those scrapers work just slightly differently, but no one number from one source is going to be like, this is the correct one and everything else is wrong. So I would look at all of them and kind of build yourself a range of what you think these properties should be able to do based on the data, and then use the enemy method in conjunction with the data to figure out what your property should do. Because short-term rental and the performance is so qualitative, meaning the intangible stuff, the quality of the property, and not just quantitative. Like it's, you can't look at only the numbers and not look at the qualitative aspects of the property. Like, are the pictures good? Is the decor good? Does it look like crap on, on their listing? And so nobody's clicking on it. Two properties that are the exact same can do wildly different quantitative numbers based on their qualitative aspects. So, um, you know, decor, pictures, professional pictures or not, um, amenities, the way it's managed, the uh, minimum night stays. If you've got somebody that's got a five-night minimum night stay and somebody that's got a three-night minimum night stay, that three-night one is going to perform better because there are less holes in the calendar. So 
you can't just look at the data. There's a lot of great data out there. There was not when we started. So you guys, it's both a blessing and a curse for y'all because you have it available to you, but now it's very easy to get into that analysis paralysis and you kind of don't know where to start. But you still, no matter what, even though we have all this great data, you still have to look at the listings and say, okay, here's what my property is like. What do these other listings that are top performers have that I need to make sure that I have so that I can perform at that level? Yeah. In my defense and also in these data websites- What are we defending? What do you mean in your defense? No, I'm defending the fact that I do this like so old school. Oh, yeah. When when I started, none of this, like she said, none of this stuff existed. So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. I mean, again, I've been on Airbnb since 2012 and it didn't even really become a thing until 2011. So back then, I mean- it was, it was, you know, fairly uncharted territory. Now, of course, Verbo's been around since the 90s, but that's a whole nother story. So, you know, I, I do things. I think if somebody was coming into this new and fresh and listening to this podcast right now for the first time, maybe the way I do things is, is, is you know, old school and, and probably not the way I would do it if I were to come into it today. Um, but uh, yeah, so... You know, I, I will I will glance at an AirDNA. Um, uh, there's another one that I like called Key Data. That's a it's a little weird, but it it's got some cool stuff on there. And and oh, I'll be honest, I forgot the Price Labs market dashboards. Yeah, Price Labs. So I'm on Price Labs all the time. I'm very familiar with Price Labs. I consider myself to be very good at Price Labs, which is why I'm here. But uh, yeah, so Price Labs, you can go on and and pick a new market and they will show you all their data, which is coming directly from actual hosts, you know? So I, I do value that data and and I actually understand that a little bit better than I do a lot of these websites. But if you're new, I think it's best to just, you know, try and have like a combination of all of these things. And um, most importantly, don't drive yourself crazy. Um, and I'll be honest, I've, <laughs> Uh, you know, hopefully Airbnb doesn't hear this. I've gone so far when I'm going into a new market that I'm completely clueless about, or or even maybe let's say not even a Scottsdale, but a market where vacation rentals are not as, as common. I've gone so far as to kind of seek out like my favorite properties and send the guy a message and say, is there any way I can talk to you about your house? And that is against the rules, by the way, you're not allowed to message hosts about anything other than booking their property, they can flag you and you can get in trouble for that. But, uh, you know, I'm very selective at how, you know, who I choose to do that with. And I try to provide them value at the same time if I can in any way, but I, I've got, I've done that before and I've been, I've been able to get some folks on the phone, um, and, and say, Hey, just, Hey, what was your gross income last year? You know? And, uh, now again, that is a lot of work. You're better off, especially in a town like Scottsdale, where where the uh, uh, the information is ample. Um, just go look at AirDNA and kind of compare it to to uh, Airbnb and Verbo uh, calendars. Anyway, now all that to be said, long winded speech to say, figure out what you think that gross income can be. One more thing on that: you will likely do better than you think. If you're really paying attention and like going so far as to listen to this podcast and do the things we're talking about on this podcast, I do of course recommend that you are conservative in your numbers. But what I do is I look at these guys that are like the best in the market and I'm I'm just sitting there like picking them apart, trying to figure out what I can do better. That's why I named it the enemy method years ago. And Avery's always like, what does that even mean? 
because uh, it doesn't really make any sense. But I was I was considering these people my enemy. I gotta I gotta figure out why this guy is the best in his market and take him down, you know, or girl, whatever. And so um, I I will go find those top two three percent people, uh, and it doesn't even have to be the same number of bedrooms or the same size house. But I will go find those top three percent people and say, okay, this guy is rocking it. His calendar is totally full, but picture 16, 22, and 34 are worthless and those suck. I would delete those, you know, all these little things that I would do differently. And those are just little nuggets of uh, confidence that if I didn't have those three crappy pictures that he has, I can do better. If I was responding quicker than him, I could do better, you know, read a couple of reviews, see what he's doing wrong, see if he's got a bug problem, whatever the case may be. So, um, again, uh, I'm making it sound like you need to completely like change your life and spend your, all your day, all day, every day on this stuff. But to me, there is a very happy medium there, uh, where you (laughs) don't want to drive yourself nuts and, and, and have paralysis because that is extremely common and easy to do. And also, um, you will learn more by actually owning the property than sitting around playing around with, uh, you know, uh, obsessing over other people's properties and numbers, et cetera. So um, I guess my recommendation is just uh, do as much research as you need to, to feel comfortable, pull the damn trigger, and then sit on 12 months of, of your own historical data. And then we create goals based on our own numbers, create goals based on our own numbers. I did, you know, you can go back after you have a 12 month cycle Let's face it, first year or two in any rental real estate is not going to be, you know, your best years. It takes some time and effort to get things rocking and rolling, especially, I mean, really big time with long-term rentals. I mean, you're talking about a, a big a big difference. Uh, let's say you got a single family home rent for $1200 a month and then you're able to after two month, two years of uh turning a tenant and maybe putting new floors and granite countertops and of course the economy bump it to 1450. That's a big percentage on a long-term, you know? So with short-term, um, you know, same thing there really, except for it's, it's drawn out over 365 nights. So anyway, um, after your first 12 months, you can go back and say, okay, January last year, I did this much. I want to do this much this year. Last year on February, I did this much. Here's my goal for this year. And just, you know, incrementally, just a little bit, bump it here and there. And that's a good way to do it. But anyway, let me finish my speech <laughs> about, uh, uh, gross income versus how do we price the property? So that's the that's the secret when it comes to vacation homes. You got what you think is maybe going to be your gross income. Try to go a little bit conservative, but trust your gut. It's my recommendation there. Just trust your gut. Go with it. Then you figure out what you think your your, your occupancy rate is going to be, whether it's like 80%, 85%. You figure that out, you know, basically 365 times 0.8 for 80%. How many nights a year do I need to rent this thing? And then you take your gross income. That's where it gets weird because you got to basically kind of subtract your cleaning fees or any kind of taxes, et cetera, out of your gross income. Then you take that number, which is basically gross minus cleaning is what I would do um, with maybe a tax or two taken out, gross minus cleaning minus tax, et cetera. And then take that number, uh, divide that by the number of nights you're going to rent per year. And there's kind of an average nightly rate. Now, what does an average nightly rate get you in vacation rentals? Not much because it's going to be completely different every single day. But it is nice to know what that number is. And that's a pretty good pretty good number to throw in your price labs. That being said, your price labs is going to throw that number right at you without having to do any of this crap 
Um, so if you, if you really want to obsess, do everything we just said and compare your number to price labs, uh, average number, and it's probably going to be right, right at the same damn thing. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Avery. I think, I mean, I think you've pretty much covered everything. <laughs> um, guys, is there anything that Luke hasn't touched on specific to this market that you think the listeners would benefit from hearing? I do have a couple of things. Sorry. <laughs> uh, even though you just asked them questions, what are we looking at about Christmas time? I'm not really sure to be honest. Uh, is Christmas time going to book Are people coming to town <clears throat> and like deep winter, you know, January, um, how, how am I doing in a January, give or take? Yeah. Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's um, is probably the second highest uh, income that you'll be making on the property. First would be spring training. Um, during those months, you're going to make the most money from your property. Um, but you can probably, I mean, and depending on the property, it can, it can range anywhere between, um, you know, upwards of 600 you know, price range to, I've seen as much as like, you know, larger size properties and, and more luxury hitting, um, like even as much as 1500 a night during that season, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I think, you know, bulk of your, your bookings are going to be spring and fall and, yeah. uh, you, you'll get some, maybe some in the summertime, but it, you got to keep in mind, it's literally like 115 degrees. Right. So, um, and then uh, wintertime, you know, let me put it this way. If you got a, if you got a Florida beach house, this would be the opposite, you know, so that that's a kind of nice way to even it out when your beach house is empty. This one will be, you know, going to have some bookings going on and it's a good way to not be completely slammed uh, at the same time of year, all year round. I, I've, I've done that with my properties. I've got some properties that are busy in the winter, some par- properties that are completely empty in the winter. And it's nice. You get a little, little break from the action. All right. Well, anything else before we wrap up? Luke always has a last interjection, even when you think- no, I think I already did that. I already did that. Um, Not going to go for two? <laughs> no, you guys are kind of intimidating, to be honest. <laughs> All right, I'll guys. I'll my well, podcast again, though. Short-term rental management. Come listen to me every Tuesday morning. It's a lot of fun. All right. There you have it. We've got his podcast. We've got my podcast, The Short-Term Show. We have- all of these podcasts. So we have 10 episodes on every single market that we're in exactly like this. So we have content for you to binge on all of your trips. So, or all your, all your commutes. So if you're ready to buy with Jessica and Leslie in Scottsdale, you can email us at agents at the shortermshop.com and we will get you connected. Or if you just want to hang out, learn some more about short-term rentals, there's a few places you can do that. We already mentioned our other podcasts. Uh, you can join our Facebook group, short-term rental, long-term wealth, same title as my book right behind me, or We have a live call every Thursday where you can ask us all your burning questions about short-term rentals. And you can join that at strquestions.com. Thanks, guys.